Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the F10X Academy. You are on the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, and today we have back Phil Bedford. Phil, just in case you guys don't know who he is, and I'm sure everyone in the group does know who he is, he is a business coach and a relationship marketing expert whose background is as diverse as it is impressive. His drive comes from the fundamental belief that we can all reach our potential and be truly satisfied. So a bit like having your cake and eating it. Um, We can have the time to live life to the full, be healthy, travel as much as we desire, and it's really simple to achieve. All we need to do is be around the right people and the right skills fundamental values I think Phil does go by and as a member of his community I certainly see that. Uh, Continuing from our resilience series so this is part four of our resilience talks Phil will discuss bouncing back and highlight why some people manage to flourish and thrive instead of just surviving which I think is incredibly appropriate right about now. So tonight our topic is called who dares thrives. Phil thank you so much for again coming back on and giving us so much value. How are you mate? Oh, I'm brilliant. Thanks, Tim. Uh, and hi to everybody. It's uh, it's just been one of the things, by the way, it's great to see the way your series has thrived as well. So congrats to you guys. It's, it's been amazing to watch your success. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, again, it's I mean, I could not have done this, I think, without the the power of a network and a community and just people like yourself to populate it with um, such amazing, you know, value um so i mean it just goes to show how how um, how far you can go when you're when you're working together which actually was the theme of the last talk i think you ended up the last conversation i know seb hosted you last time and i think the ending quote was if you want to go far go together if you want to go fast go alone i think that was it wasn't it yeah very much so yeah and it's it's actually um i can't remember if i told the story now uh but it was uh yes yeah, an african proverb or African proverb, and uh, I think it's in in the last few years while I've been doing this job that I've been doing now, which is building communities and and helping some people succeed, is is um, it's, it's been interesting. I think some there's kind of two kinds of people. There's what you might call transactional people, where it's all about yep. them doing it themselves, and they just want to make it happen, and they basically make things succeed through their own power, drive, and and money. And then there's other people that see the benefit of community. And they're more relational. Mm. And I think this really slots in perfectly with that old African proverb. You know, it is very easy just to get going quickly when it's only you. Uh, But when there's only you, you need more resources to keep going. Of course, uh, of course. So how, how, I mean, tell us us a little bit about, I'd love to know, I know we did an introduction of you last time and I've given you a little intro now. Tell us a bit about kind of what you do and how you guys have pivoted, I guess, during the COVID period. Uh, so ultimately, uh, what I do is I work with 99.9% with entrepreneurs, and that would entrepreneur normally be entrepreneurs in their first sort of zero to eight years. Uh, the time when an entrepreneur is high on passion, high on drive, low on money, 
low mm. on experience. And uh, it's a little bit like, yeah, I don't know if anyone that's watching this has seen the Indiana Jones films, you know, particularly the first one. And I think the first scene is where Indiana Jones walks into this cave and he's trying to get the treasure. And as he walks into the cave, he, he comes across all these bodies of people that have failed and got caught in all the traps because the treasure is protected by all these traps. Um, but Indiana Jones can walk straight through because he doesn't get caught by the traps because he's got a map, right? And that map is basically do this, do this, you won't get in trouble. And he gets to the end, gets the treasure, and okay, fair enough, he runs to get out. But the point is he had a map to succeed. And mm. I think one of that, one of those maps metaphorically to succeed is being around other people that have made the mistakes. They yeah. were the ones that got caught in the traps, but luckily they're still around to tell the story. And, and I mm. think one of the things I've enjoyed and one of the reasons I've been blessed to be, you know, successful, mate, whereas maybe other people haven't is because I've always surrounded myself with people who are better than I am. Wow. Different skills, different successes. They failed, we failed, and by by helping each other and working together, you, you fail less. And I think that that's a big message, I think, for anybody. And that's what we really do. And what I've always done is is really just help people to succeed instead of fail. The, be the benefits of having all those kind of people around you is it? I mean, I guess there's so many pros to it. But what what would you say is the biggest advantage to that? Apart well, from obviously you. learning from each other's mistakes, I guess. What, what, would, guess. what would be things? Yeah, again, I think, I think it's another um, uh, sort of a surprise, really. A lot of people, when they, when they go to, and they want to work for themselves, it's because they want to be on their own. They're sick of a boss telling them what to do. You know, they're sick of having their life dictated, so they kind of want to be on their own. And so the curse mm. in many ways of being an entrepreneur is that we try to be on our own. Um, and yet... That's also the time when we need the support the most because we don't necessarily have the skills and all that. Oh, I'd love a cup, by the way, mate. Any chance of getting one? Oh, um, and, uh, do, do you know, I, I, I think that's kind of the challenge. That's, that's sort of really the, uh, the sort of quandary is, 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 is you're not alone anymore. Mm. And, how, and what the, the biggest fears of starting your own business is, of course, number one, cash flow. Uh, I don't have enough money. And when I'm mm. my money, that's also how am I going to get clients? So number one is that. Number two is I'm suddenly on my own. And who do I bounce ideas off? Who's going to hold me accountable? Uh, nobody understands. Um, and even, even you know, our partner in our lives, wife, husband, partner, um, maybe they don't quite understand what we're going through. And so we feel alone. And it's really interesting how we can be completely alone, surrounded by people. Yeah, and I think I think, I think Dubai especially, right? Very much so, very much because we've all left our families, right? You know, a lot of mm. us are here without families. Some people have had their families here, particularly some of the nationalities that have been here 10, 15, 20 years, they've grown up here. But a lot of us, particularly from the West, I think we tend to have come here, uh, taken that risk, and we've left our families to do that. So being alone is even more important. Mm. Uh, and then the third one, of course, is, is when you run a business, you, you've probably never run a business before. You know, you had a boss, you had an IT professional, you had admin, you had an accountant in the company, you had a T-boy, and suddenly you're doing everything, right? Yeah. No, that's so true. I, I do. We, we've had a few. This has come up a few times in a few conversations on the podcast, and and I don't. As much as the educational system does, you know, that we've all had does prepare you in many ways to be an adult. It doesn't really prepare you how to run a business. It does fail you in that aspect. Um, you know, and, and just to let everyone know, um, Phil 
uh, ha- as well as this community which he uh, runs in Dubai um, called Ascensive and the, uh, the AMC community, a lot of that actually encompasses a lot of education, doesn't it, Phil, around what you should be doing as a, as a business owner, um, mainly centered around, you know, leaning on your network, using referrals, learning how to market yourself. But it, it's actually quite broad, isn't it? You learn a lot of a lot of other things that you, you would probably almost forget about I think as a new as a startup, I mean, I, I was I mean, I've been six years in business, and we were going through things um, that I completely missed. And it's and it's really good, I think, just to sit around in a group. There's no, um, there's almost like there's no no one's no one's better than anyone else. Everyone's in the same boat, and it's good. You get that camaraderie. That's one of the things I've noticed, and 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 because of that, you thrive together. Mm. Um, yeah, one, and it's an immense, immensely useful, immensely useful. So, I mean, I, I can recommend it more. But I mean, in terms of yourself, I mean, this is centered around the resilient, resilient series, and um, I think it's appropriate to kind of let everyone know that you weren't always as successful, as confident, you know, as you know, with it with business like you are now. You actually had quite a steep learning curve yourself, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, very, very much so. I mean. Um... Uh, I, I mean, there's different ways in. I mean, success really. There's different ways in, isn't there? Most people tend to go mm. through the school system, and success is getting a job. You know, going to university, getting a job, getting a high flying position, and then you're successful, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I learned, even though I, I was lucky enough to to finally get a master's degree in engineering, um, I learned that at the end of the day, the the qualification is just another ticket to the ballpark. Mm. You know. You might get in through having a degree, but you might get in through hard work opportunity or whatever. So, you know, success is just a ballpark. How you get in is, is many different routes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I was, I was lucky enough as a kid that one of my father's gifts to me was his challenge growing a business. So he had the, you know, he was one of those who, who dares tries um, and not necessarily who dares thrives in his, in his time. So he tried the business. I saw the struggle he had. Uh, and as a kid, I, I, you know, even I was aware of maybe what he did right and what he did wrong. And so his gift to me really was was that experience, um, even though at the time it wasn't really a gift. It was more of a pain seeing my father away and living away and struggling. And, or, what was your father doing as a business? So he, he, um, he'd always had a passion for the sea. Uh, we grew up in Brixham, which is a fishing town in, in Devon, in the UK. And dad always had this passion for the sea. And he, he uh, bought a boat hire in a place called Selsey Bill in, in Portsmouth in the UK. And okay. so he bought this boat hire, hiring boats out for the summer. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, pumped his life savings into it and uh, didn't end up going out that too, uh, didn't end up going that well in the end. Uh, and as a kid, I used to go on holiday and help him by running the rescue boat and doing all the things you do as a kid. But I was, I was party to that uh, and I could see the struggle. And like I said, his gift to me was in many ways, the, 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 the inter family pain of not having my dad around him, not being around for us. Um, so sort of, I suppose put a bit of a fire under my belly uh, to help those other people. So they don't have to go through it. You know? I mean, I think a, a lot of us can relate to that. Like I, I, I can have got no shame admitting that I spent a lot of time working probably when I shouldn't. And I should probably be more present at home. I shouldn't be more, focused on family and friends and and nurturing things outside of work but i mean i I think as entrepreneurs you almost there's a lot of weight there i think all of us kind of have that especially you know people that are starting out um so yeah so i guess that's your drive then isn't it you don't want people to go through the same pain your father did is that is that what it is 
Well, it is. I mean, that's a lot of it. And 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 there's also a more selfish part of this as well. Um, you know, as, as a kid, you know, I was, I, like I touched on with Seb last time, you know, I was heavily bullied. Um, and so that was pretty horrible for me. And, and now, you know, I spent, obviously, because I was bullied, I spent a lot of time hiding and not wanting to stick out, not not having a lot of self-confidence. And so from a mm. selfish perspective, when I'm able to help people and they're able to turn around to me and go, oh, Phil, thank you. You've done this. You've done that. So from a selfish perspective, it kind of lifts me up, right? Uh, mm. And, of course, my dad also watches a lot of my social media stuff. So he's there going, oh, well done, well done on your boy. Good on you. And, mm. and that's nice. Ultimately, aren't we all just trying to get our parents' approval, you know? So True. so I get a reward from that. But on, on a selfish note, you know, I think depending on how old you are as well, um, I think when you're younger and you, you launch, I know some people in the market at the moment that maybe 10, 15, 20 years younger than me, um, and it's all about hustle. It's all about working as hard as you can, as many hours as you can. And I get that, and that's fine when you're younger and you're single and you've got the energy and there's nothing else. But when you mm. commit to a marriage or you commit to a family, you know, you've got a different dynamic to consider. And, uh, and of course, working hard, all those hours and all that for the family is very noble. But again, the kids don't know that. All they know is daddy's not there or mummy's not there, you know. And, and I just made a decision in my life that as much as I want to work and make a business, my wife comes first. And mm. this, this goes back to a very personal thing where uh, my wife suffered um, open heart surgery twice. And uh, the second time when she was actually going through that and I had to sit there and say goodbye. Wow. Just in case she didn't come around again. That really brought home to me what life's all about. And so mm. it became it became more important to me as much as I'm growing a business and I'm helping other people grow them. I have another obligation and that obligation is to, to my lovely lady, my wife. And that is that. I need to find time when she needs me to do stuff. And mm. so I try and make sure I'm as flexible as possible to do that. Yeah. Um, and of course, for, she obviously works really hard as well for, for our mutual dynamic. Um, but mm. that's what's important to me. And what's important to me is making sure I have that time. And, and hustle, hustle 80, 90 hours a week isn't going to cut it. Not for me. No. Well, it, it just, what, it, what that probably, that screams to me is that, you know, I know that I'm not, I, f I feel like I'm not in a position. I'm sure lots of other entrepreneurs as well feel like they've got so many things to do. How do you cut that down to the, and, and almost, because almost, it's almost like taking a step back with the business, but I guess it doesn't, doesn't mean just being smarter with what you do. How, how would you first go about I, tackling that? I think, you know, I think it is being smarter, Tim. It, it, it you know, um, we can all work 70 or 80 hours. You know, I remember someone saying to me once, um, uh, I, I remember I was in a networking group and, and a guy stood up and he says, yeah, I work uh, 70 hours a week and everyone in the group clapped. And I'm sitting there going, why are you clapping? Mm. I'd be clapping for the guy that uh, worked 20 hours a week, uh, could put the food on the table and have the time for his family and enjoy what he was doing. You know, for me, it wasn't about who works hard. It's about who works smart. And, yeah, true. you know, we, uh, you know, if um, you, metaphorically, okay, imagine if you have to, if you had to walk 10 miles to work every day, or I think it's about 15 kilometers. If you had to walk that far to work every day, okay, what's life going to look like? Well, it's going to involve a quick walk to, you know, this long walk to work, a couple of hours. Then you're going to work and then you're going to have a long walk back, right? So if that was your life walking to work, would it be worth investing in learning how to drive a car? Yeah. Well, of course yeah, it is. Of course. 
And mm. then you get to work in five minutes, which means you save yourself all that time. And then you can choose what you do with that time. But the thing is, you've, you've got to see the benefit of doing that. You've got to be willing to invest and then you've got to go and buy the car. And of course, yeah. there's other options, renting cars, sharing cars, doing giving a taxi. There's, there's more solutions. But I think a lot of people are stuck in. I just need to work, walk to work because that's mm. all I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and I think that what's important to me is that the title list, Who Dares Thrives, is because it's too easy to keep doing what we've always done. Mm. Mm. And, and there's some people, even during the whole COVID thing, okay, so some people have had absolutely no choice. There really is nothing you can do. Um, whereas other people on the other side have, have, you know, boomed because of the dynamic. And people are along, all the rest of us are somewhere along there. And, mm. and some people have strived to find solutions like you guys have done, Tim. You know, you, you know, from your field, what you've done is building this community and doing the online courses. It's because you, well, you've been, you, you've done, you, you've put yourself in a learning environment with people that have challenged you, and you, you guys have come up with these ideas. You and Seb yeah. have, have worked together to, to leverage your strengths. You know, yeah. you've built a community, which is exactly what we talk about. There'll be other people in your field that have just sat down and said, "Well, you know what? Nobody's buying, so I'll just sit here and watch Netflix, save all my money, and wait till it comes to an end." Hmm. And so that's, what you did, you say that a lot though, you say what happens if it doesn't come to an end? Well, there you go. And, and we really don't know, do we? And it's not just that, yeah. you know, somebody, I honestly feel there's a lot of people that are literally doing this. Oh, from the break. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to get you far, is it? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and the trouble is sooner or later, we're going to have to breathe. And, and when we get around to breathe, we got to hope we've got enough air, which is money left to get going again. Right. Well, what yeah. if we don't? Yeah. You know, and um, I mean, the good thing is if we've been smart and maybe lucky, you know, you, your competition aren't there anymore and you are. But I bet you it's the people that have not only been able to save money, but also kept marketing. Now, and then yeah. there's another thing that's shown up a lot is, and I think this is one of the areas where, where we changed. And this is my own sort of very near failure is because a lot of the stuff I did revolves around networking, real life, meeting people. It was too easy for me to just think, okay, all I've got to do is, you know, basically just be there on Zoom once in a while, hold my breath, look after my clients. And then when it all starts up again, off we go. And and I think what became apparent was by, by tweaking that dynamic, well, I actually grew my business during this time. I actually mm. moved it into other countries. I actually, I actually grew my business quicker than I did before COVID, um, yeah. and and you could and and yeah, is is it? I was offline, so um, well, a lot of business. Well, I mean, I admit we were. I mean, yeah, uh, exactly. we. I don't, I, I don't know if you saw our, our last interview with um uh with Fat Man Scoop. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we. I had no idea how entrepreneurial he was, and he had said um quite openly that when his tour got cancelled, um, yeah, it was a chunk of money, but. He's actually tripled what he's been doing, and he's been doing some sort of like online communication and podcasts, and and involved and collaborating with a lot of artists. He's actually tripled his following online over the last eight weeks, and he wouldn't have had that return of investment from doing a tour. And yeah, he said he said, "Would I've spent the money that I would have earned on the tour on tripling the ROI?" He said, "Absolutely." So it just goes to show that it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a professional rap artist or whether you're an SME that. There is always a way to pivot and adjust and reevaluate what you do and just keep the actual process the same, but the delivery changes. 
Because what yeah. you're doing is not any different to what you were doing before COVID, except your delivery method is different. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And even even while you know you and I before we came on the show, we we went back room as it were, and mm. our conversation even in that five minutes before, I mean we, we must have hit three or four t- topics, Tim, and mm. and you know you and I are going to be having a conversation after this about what's the next step, you know, and that's because I'm sitting here with an expert who's an expert in certain areas that I'm not. And when you put two mindsets together with different areas of expertise, well, a third mind is born, for example, or a third opportunity is born. Um, So, you know, I mean, it never stops when you're around the right people. And and I think, unfortunately, um, some people just haven't realized that yet. And and some people have, you know. Um, I I mean, (laughs) one of the things you mentioned about kept marketing, I mean, to be honest, this is this is about learning how to invest your time wisely, isn't it? So I I guess from from someone who's a struggling entrepreneur who's working all the hours in the day, how would you? break down this process of right now i want to make a difference i want to make a change what what are the steps that you can recommend that any business owner take if they want to start really starting to thrive as opposed to now survive now yeah well, i mean it's, it's a very broad one that i mean it obviously it's going to depend where they are and what they're doing so it's not a easy answer no. but i think just just on on the spot um we can do a lot more when we got time Mm. You know, time's the ultimate commodity, right? We can always earn more money. We can't get any more time. Time once it's gone, it's gone. Um, so I think the first thing to do is look at where you're investing your time and look what's being, what you're wasting and what doesn't need to be done. Um, mm. You know, and I think one of the biggest benefits that people report repeatedly in COVID is how much time they realized they were wasting driving around from one place to the next having meetings they didn't need to have. Um, oh, yeah. you know, I was just saying to, to my wife the other day, you know, one of, one of the great tips someone showed me once was that when they have meetings, even in their office, um, you know, the boss, they have an open door policy, right? So the boss has got an open door, people come walking in and suddenly the boss is getting stopped every five minutes to have a 15 minute conversation. Well, this guy just got rid of the chairs. So what people had to do is they were said, I've got an open door, but when you come in with a problem, I want you to come in with a solution. And by the way, there's no chairs. So it's bam, 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 goodbye. And, and, and I think there's, there's so many different ways of saving money. I mean, my bank, when I chose which bank I was going to be in, well, I chose the one directly under my house. Mm. I, didn't take, I didn't take the one that's half an hour's drive into the middle of town because yeah, I knew, based on the dynamics of business in this country, I'm going to have to keep popping to the bank. Okay, so how much time does that save me? You know? Hours. Uh, yeah, hours. And if we, any of us look at our days there's so many ways we can be saving time and money and and time is money, right? Yeah. You know, there's only two activities in business. There's making mm. money and losing money. Mm. And if you look at a business owner, um, you know, you can break down your tasks into directly making money, which you have to be doing and stuff mm. that you don't need to be doing, which could be outsourced to somebody else. Mm. And, and mm. I think one of the dynamics, particularly for small business owners, is we end up doing it all ourselves, either because we don't have the money or <laughs> or we don't have the people. But at some mm. point in time, we've got to let go of that. So let me give you an example. You know, if I'm sitting here doing my uh, accounts, right? So I'm sitting here doing my accounts, da, 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 and I'm invoicing, right? Well, I can do that as a business owner, but is that making money or losing money? Losing. Well, Losing money, exactly, because I should be out selling the business or delivering product. So for me, as a business owner, how much is my time worth? If every hour of my time has a value, how much is that value? And if I don't know what that is yet, well, just look at how much you need to earn a month, 
divide it by how many hours you're willing to work and you'll get an hourly rate. It's, it's, it's an average idea. And what you'll find is most small business owners, their hourly rate should be between 500 and 1,000 dirhams an hour, right? So here's the thing. Every, every hour I'm spending doing accounts because I don't want to pay someone to do it. It's costing me 500 dirhams or 1,000 dirhams or whatever that is. Well, I'm doing it because I can't afford to pay anyone else. Well, why not outsource that? Find someone mm. that you can pay an hourly rate that will just do that for you. You pay them 160 dirhams an hour, 120 dirhams an hour, something like that, um, and then you save three or 400. But we've got to spend to save. And I think the challenge is people don't understand the dynamic of what it's, costing, yeah, what it's costing mm. them to keep doing things the way they're doing them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, of course, on the flip side of that is don't go and employ staff straight out of the gate to do it um, mm. because – Again, paying staff to do stuff when you don't need them to. So is that fine balance, right? Yeah. I mean, one little tip I can share with everyone is that we lean quite a lot on um, websites like Upwork and Fiverr. And sometimes that's a really good, nice introductory way to leaning on, you know, contractors. Um, the beautiful thing is, is that you get very competitive rates. You get a, the chance, like TripAdvisor, to look at a lot of reviews and see who's good. Um, and it also helps you brief better as well because you learn to really translate what you want done in a way where it's really easily understood because a lot of people say that if you're working with contractors and something tends to go wrong it's just down to a lack of brief isn't it so i mean that's one tip that i can share that's certainly something we've done quite a lot in the um in the time and also not to mention if you're on a if you lockdown was actually a really good exercise because you're glued to your home you're glued to your desk you can't go out you can't get caught in these distractions and, like you said, driving around wasting time. You're actually forced to be smart. Um, I know certainly how different the incentive networking is. I wouldn't say change. It's more like evolved, hasn't it, I guess, since, since it was before COVID. I mean, you're doing these quarantine connects all the time. So talk us a little bit about that just so people know. What, what are these quarantine connects? Uh, so I've, I've done networking events since day one. Uh, I did networking events before I even knew they were networking events, to be honest with you. It's just something I did. And, uh, um, and so anyway, before COVID, we were doing things like Nuts, which was networking under the stars. Um, bit of a funny story about that. I called it networking under the stars. And uh, someone came up to me a week later and says, oh, Phil, we're doing Nuts this week. And I went, Nuts? What do you mean Nuts? What's Nuts? He went, I went, ah! There we go. Anyway, Nuts was born. So, um, and then we did SBC, which is Strategic Business Connect. So these were normal networking events. You know, you're in a hotel, uh, you pay an entry fee, we all network, da 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 da, la da and off we go. Um, and what I realized, obviously, this has come to an end. So, kind of our giving back in the earlier part of uh, the COVID period was just to say, hey, why don't we just do this on Zoom? Uh, you know, we'll get 20, 30 people together, we'll do it for free, and it's just a way of contributing. So, you know, I run these events. Um, and I don't think what anyone realizes is that I don't even tell people what I do. I, I, I don't sell. I don't promote myself. All it's about is helping other people. Um, mm. And it's been absolutely beautiful to see people turn up, connect. Not everyone comes back. Some people do. And it's been really interesting to see how people have started to, you know, drip into the network and help each other. And so that's what Quarantine Connect was all about. Um, we, we're looking at rebranding it back to SBC. Uh, mainly because the quarantine will come to an end. Uh, and mm. then, of course, maybe it doesn't dynamic so, uh, work so much as a name. But oddly enough, Quarantine Connect seems to have stuck. People keep asking me when's the next one. So 
No, I think it's great. I've been to a couple now, and to be honest, I've generated a few leads from there myself. So you know, because everyone's different. Every every time I go on there, there's different people, um, and and you know, a lot of us, I think the majority, I, I would say the majority of entrepreneurs get their business usually from referrals, not usually from advertising, do they? Um, it's the strongest, one of the strongest methods of of getting business, especially if you're service based. Um, yeah, and I think well, I think it comes down to how much you got to spend, right? I mean, if you got a million dirhams mm -hmm. to spend on advertising, the majority of your leads is going to come from advertising. Um, if you've not got that and you've got literally next to nothing, the referrals is going to be huge, you know? So mm. I think it really depends how much money and time and effort you're putting into which dynamic, you know, if someone spends 50,000 dirhams a month on digital marketing, well, hey, ho, all your leads are going to come from digital marketing. Well, there's no surprise there. Um, yeah. but I think what makes networking and referrals different is we all know it provides some of the best quality, um, that converts the quickest ultimately is pretty much free. Um, mm. but people or the majority of people necessarily either aren't comfortable or don't want to do it um, for whatever reason. And, and it's a massive resource that people are, people are not using. I mean, you mentioned yourself that when you came to Quarantine Connect, you know, you picked up some, some deals. And, you know, there's a lot of people that picked up deals and yet the following week they're not there. Mm. Mm. And it's, well, why not? It works. Yeah. So what, mm. what are you going to do? Go somewhere else and not, not get something? So it's, mm. it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. But what happens is, of course, life takes over. We forget to do it. We don't calendarize. I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes I see small business owners making is they do not calendarize business generating activities. Uh, that's a good one. You know, whether it's marketing activities or whether it's sales activities. Um, so they don't calendarize networking. And this is a bit of a curse of working in this, maybe this part of the world, is there's so much going on that people will not commit to anything just in case something better comes up. And then when something better doesn't come up, it's too late. They've forgotten and it's passed. You wouldn't believe how many emails I get after the event started or a couple of days later saying, oh, don't forget me. I'm like, well, it was last week or yesterday. And they're like, oh, I forgot. I'm like, really? Calendarize mm. it. Um, yeah. And do these things. Um, and on the flip side, calendarize marketing, do the right activities. But here's the other thing. Don't hide away from sales. You know, um, you know, ultimately is having that conversation with people that's going to convert your business. Um, and again, I find a lot of people that are nervous on sales will hide behind marketing. They'll spend lots and lots of money marketing, do lots and lots of networking, but then not have a sales conversation. You've got to do it all, I know, right? I know, I know you're good friends with Ramez, and he always says that sales is almost the lifeline of every business. And, you know, you can't ignore it. I mean, I know I, it's 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 almost strange that it's a dirty, it's considered a dirty word, isn't it? I think a lot of people do think that initially. Um, there we go. Yeah. So I mean, in terms of in terms of networking, in terms of the behaviors, I mean, I, I've learned a lot on how to network now. Like, what what could you share in terms of when you go to a networking event, what not to do and to do? Because I remember you have this very funny. Um, what would you call them? The people that just go into a network event and they just blast business cards everywhere. What's you? Oh, you call them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so give us give us give us some tips on how to network because again, I think it sounds basic, but it's it's amazing. It's all linked to again how you position yourself, how you add value, how you build rapport and trust because that's what it's about, isn't it? So, I mean, give us some tips on on how to network correctly because I think there's a lot of people doing it wrong, aren't they? Well, do you know, actually, I think um, oddly enough, you you touched on sales as well, and I think there's a you know sales and networking are often considered dirty words, and what you mean mm. by dirty words is as many because people are doing it wrong. Both yep. of them are done almost like cold calling. Sales, people think of cold calling, right? Where it's that really annoying guy that keeps ringing you, which disturbs you from a conversation. You're like, well, who are you? How did you get my money? No, I don't want to buy your next product. 
And so yeah. that's the dirty word. And, and the problem is a lot of people networking are doing exactly the same thing. All they're doing is cold calling face to face. You know, but instead of being on the phone where you can get rid of them, they're stuck in front of your face for 20 minutes and you can't get rid of them. Um, mm. And I think proper sales and proper networking really is about trying to serve the other person. True. You yeah, know, if well. I'm having a conversation with you about what's best for you and if what I'm selling and or me, I'm not best for you, but what I may know is another solution, well, now I'm serving you. I've added value to your life. Um, and that can be the same in a sales conversation. It can be same in, same in networking. It's about what's in it for the other person. Um, and, you know, if, if you cast your mind back to the last time you were networking, you know, and you'll probably know somebody that just walked up to you and just blasted at you. You know, they just, oh, hi, my name's so-and-so, and I'm in real estate. And you're going, oh, that's nice for you. And they go, do you want to buy a house? And you're going, oh, well, not at the moment, thanks, I'm renting. Oh, well, if you're renting, you're wasting money. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, yes, you are. What if I can sell you this? And you're there going, oh. Right? Yeah, it's very intrusive, isn't it? It's very, I mean, like. Yeah, but, of course, you're actually you're actually w w just saying, look, excuse me, Mr. Mr. Real Estate Person, can you just shut up so that I can sell at you? And then mm. what you've got is two people selling at each other and nobody's listening. Mm. Now, if, if yeah. you can completely change that dynamic to say, okay, so tell me about your business. What's, you know, what is a good, um, you know, I'm not actually in the market myself because I'm seriously not, but tell me what is a good client for you? What makes you special as a real estate agent? Tell me about mm. the last person you served. What was good about it? And they go, oh, hold on a second. Oh, yeah, I helped this person and I did that. Oh, okay, so this kind of referral will be good for you, correct? Yes. Okay. So, you know, I might know a few people. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, my gosh, Phil's my best friend. Mm. So it's, it's about how can we help people? Because so, if, if I've just met you at a networking event, you who's listening to this or Tim, and all I'm interested in is how I can help make your life better. Have you got problems you can't solve? Um, are you looking for connections? Have you got a social um, hobby that you're trying to get a solution to? Uh, maybe you're looking for a supplier. Maybe, if I can help serve you in some way, what will you think of me next time you see me? Mm. Oh, it's that really nice guy, you know, the one that helped me. Mm. So what are you going to do next time you see me? You go, oh, hi, Phil, how are you doing? I'm really good. We've started a relationship. Yeah. And again, it's, it's like it's almost it's almost like you're not. It's, it's again, it ties very much to like relationships. You don't try to sleep with someone on the first date, do you? It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true you build rapport you trust you you have to you know you get to know each other that's the whole point you know, i think you're 100 right and that's it's a great metaphor there. i mean you know you know if i walked up to you and just said hi marry me you'd be like Whoa, excuse yeah, exactly. me and that's what a sale is isn't it marry me give me your money yeah i mean what do you do you have you know you say hi how you doing what's your name tell me about yourself you know maybe you go for a cup of coffee maybe a little bit later get a kiss on the cheek you know maybe go out for a meal you're right tim it's, it's steps, mm. right? But I think everybody yeah. the trouble is networking and sales, they're often going for the marriage straight away. And yeah. it's just too severe, right? But the, here's the challenge. Um, there will be people out there that have met clients doing that. Mm. Um, but here's the thing. That's really rare. And if you have found even, – even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Mm. You know, and just because you did it once, you've got to think about all those other hundred people, hundreds of people that just think, oh, my God, it's that person that's going to sell at me. It's that person that's just going to sit and tell me all about his hassles. You've won one and lost a hundred. 
It's also reading, I guess, the situation. You just got to know how ready people are. I mean, there's this, um, I saw an infographic, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was called the bio-readiness scale. And it's just trying to understand where that potential customer or lead is in that journey. If they're not ready to buy from you, then you don't really want to be talking about sales at all. What you want to be doing is adding value, isn't it? It's like you're saying, serving, educating, providing advice, you know, sharing tips, you know, building rapport and trust. But if they're ready to buy and they're like, look, I need a video, then, then you can immediately start talking about the solution because they're ready to buy. I guess it's, again, it's just listening. And, and I yeah. don't think a lot of people do that, do they? They're, they're not doing that. And also the other thing, particularly from a networking perspective, is that, that they may have met that person once and there is potential maybe tomorrow or the week after. But of course, because they don't follow up, because they don't connect with them, because they don't go back. Well, when that person's ready to buy, you're not there. Yeah, very and true. So what, and so there's always, you've got to be following up with the people you met. So whether they go onto social media and connect with you on LinkedIn or Facebook or you're, you're visible on social media, whether you turn up at the networking event again, whether they go onto some kind of a newsletter system that they've, by the way, agreed to be on. Mm. Because otherwise you put all that goodwill in and then you disappear. And this is where I yeah. think most people are really missing out on the whole networking thing because they're only going and exchanging a business card. That's like waving at somebody from across the football field and expecting them to buy. You know, you, you, you really need to be able to move closer. And, mm. and unfortunately, life's so busy that even the best of us get forgotten about unless unless you keep popping up, right? Your, your newsletter idea is a great idea as well. So you actually, um, you offer to, you asked if people would like to stay in touch through that method. And that's almost like your low barrier of entry to stay connected with them. Is that, is that, what, is that what it's designed to do? Yeah, so, so basically I, I give out free tips um, on how people can grow their business, right? So I do it through um, a, a bi-weekly newsletter. Um, but I don't, pe I don't put people on it unless they ask to be on it. So it's what's called permission marketing. They've asked to be on it. Um, yeah. If they haven't asked to be on it and you just do it, then that's spam. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, and every now and again, we, you know, every now and again, you might, we might mess up. And, and so there always has to be a unsubscribe on there just in case we messed up. Uh, but that's one of the challenges with networking. You know, you give someone your business card and suddenly you're on their spam list. Um, and we've just done away all the good work. So it's 20 minutes you spent talking to them is all just gone down the drain, isn't it? Yeah, because all you've done is spam them. Yeah. It's, uh, mm. Mm. <laughs> So, so I mean, um, some amazing tips there. So just to kind of recap, um, if networking guys, you know, uh, calendarize, first of all, the business, the, the actual networking events, people f tend to do well in one and then they forget to come back. Um, so consistency, um, serve or listen, work out how you can serve the person you're talking to. Try not to make it all about yourself. Um, have a newsletter or something like a, like a low barrier of entry product that you can point people to, to stay connected. And like you said, Phil, give value to because then that just builds to the rapport and trust, doesn't it? And following up, I mean, I know a lot of, I mean, I, I'm guilty of this in the past. I used to go to networking events, have a wad of cards, go home and then not do anything with them, which, you know, is completely moronic if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it? it's, um, and you, you've got to have all your social media platforms ready. I mean, I was at an event recently, um, mm. uh, very recently, and, you know, it was a Zoom, I was a guest, and I was, um, I just saw these people on the corner, I thought, oh, you know, that's really good. So I don't know any of these people. So I thought I'll just check them out on LinkedIn, see if I can get a bit of background. And I think of the 10 people that were on there, there was only three people that were on LinkedIn. And the rest of them I wow. couldn't find anywhere. And, and yeah. the whole, whole point of it was to actually start giving referrals to these people. And I'm like, well, how can I refer you when you have absolutely no credibility 
I can't find who you are. You're sitting, you're sitting here telling me you're brilliant at X, Y, Z, but I can't find any proof of that. Why would I ever buy from you or refer you? And, and so part of this is, of course, even if we're just networking, we've got to have the whole thing together. If I, if I search you on Google, on Google, what's popping up? Is it your competition? Yeah. Is it someone else? If you're on LinkedIn, is your profile filled out? Um, is it, you know, do you have a good photo? Because marketing and brand building is all about touches, right? Every time someone sees your name or sees your product, that's a touch. And that touch is either building your brand and increasing the chances they'll buy from you or help you or taking away. There is no medium. It's either up or down. And most small business owners cannot afford to lose even one client. That true. one client could be the difference between going bust and not. And that is 100% mm. true. And you never know what is going to turn somebody off your service. It could be the blank profile picture. It could be, and this is one thing I see a lot in this market. It could be the email address on your business card that says um, phil at gmail.com or phil at hotmail.com. That right? just says to me you're not ready to buy your own domain yet. Just there says you go, right? There's nothing wrong with those companies that are providing a very useful service. But from somebody mm. who's looking to buy, as you rightly said, it says, well, maybe they're not serious. Maybe they're not set up. Maybe they're, not, you know, they're going to be fly by night. It may not be true, but the, the, the fear is enough that you're not going to give them your money. And yet it's that, amazing. People judge that much. It's true, though, isn't it? It's true. People judge. 100%. Mm. Or it's enough to put doubt in your mind. And then if you get another doubt, which is someone who doesn't pick up their phone, or you search the website and maybe it's not loading, that's another doubt. And the thing is, someone else knocks on their door, who's polished, website, everything's there. They're speaking, well, I'll go with them because I can't mm. risk my valuable money with someone that's eh, not sure. So as small business owners, we may not have tons of money, but what we've got to do is make sure everything is there so that if people check us out, at least there's no negative points uh, and unfortunately, mm. I think it takes people a long time before they realize that. I think th we, re we refer to it, uh, F10, as your shop window. People yeah. forget that your social media, your website, your business card, how you dress, everything is like your metaphorical shop window. And Absolutely. if people are going to walk past your shop, and it, will make the, it might make them go in the store or walk past it. And, you know, considering that we've had so much time alone, how, how many people watching right now can honestly say that they've, gone on LinkedIn, read every single word on their LinkedIn profile and thought, is that the best description for me? Is that, is that amazing project that I did a while ago on there? It, am I updating it regularly? Is my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram also looking consistent? Is my website mentioned in the bio of every profile? Is my bio the same in every profile? It's these silly things that, I mean, I'll be honest, I've done it. You know, it's, it's, they were very inconsistent during the lockdown and I've now consolidated. I think a useful exercise, completely free to do, can be done in a couple of hours. But like you said, it's very true. If people Google you and they see these inconsistencies or they see something that they don't like or something that puts them off, it can be all that, all that effort gone down the drain over one silly little thing. Yeah. And, and you know, you don't, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I, I regularly go on mine and there's stuff that needs updating. I mean, um, you know, you guys at F10 recently did some videos for me. I've been doing videos for the last 11 years. Um, mm. And my journey, by the way, I deliberately leave my journey online. I haven't taken away the older ones that are poorer quality and all that. Because for me, I actually wanted to show the journey of my transition through my brand and how as my brand has progressed, I've been able to afford different things. 
So even in my newsletter, the first one is, well, you're going to notice these videos aren't as good as they are now. This was my journey. Um, yeah. You know, the logo changed, this changed. So, you know, we don't need to be rushing out spending an absolute fortune. I mean, people that are watching this at the moment, um, you may notice how fantastic Tim's camera is compared to me. You know, I'm a little bit, not, I'm nowhere near as sharp as him. And I mean, that's because he's using his absolutely amazing camera. Um, and that's something that I can't, you know, I'm not willing to, or I can't afford. So in this part of the marketing, mine's okay, it's good enough. But what Tim's doing, because it's part of his business now, it needs to be even better. And, mm. and I think it's the perfect example of how, you know, there's good enough and then there's super. Um, and, yeah. and that's the same with photos on our profile pictures. You know, we can have a, an okay photo, which is a head and shoulders in a suit. But if we're looking at becoming professional speakers, well, we need to take that up a notch. And so it really depends what we're selling, but as long as it's okay, you know, and it's not yeah. negative, we can do it mm. in stages. Yeah, if you've got a picture of you like on a night out or like something that's really blurry out of focus, that just says that you don't want to invest in a decent image that people will see if they first time if they find you online, which I mean and again, you don't need to have all the gear. I mean, I I mean you as you rightly pointed out, I'm using a very high quality camera tonight. A lot of the old podcasts, if you watch, guys, I mean, I've only recently hooked this up because um, beforehand I couldn't even get to the office to get the camera from the kit room. Um, but it's been done from a laptop. And, and sometimes it's, it's more, as long as you come across professional, what you're actually saying or doing online is giving value. You'll be surprised how far that can get you. I mean, mobile phones are really good quality these days. But again, it's being smart. Like if you're going to do maybe a face to camera that you're going to upload to social media, make sure that your background's nice, make sure you're lit nicely. And these are all things that, can be thought out and applied if you've got you know a relatively a good amount of common sense which i find still quite uh, one of the most ironic things on the planet because i don't think it's so common anymore but <laughs> but yeah it's true it's um i guess it's just looking at profiles i think a good one is to look at inspiration find profiles that you like the look of and find out what they're doing and almost magpie or steal what they're they're doing and just replicate it just make yeah, they it, actually call it, they call it modeling modeling yeah. there you go so you go and model somebody yeah uh, um, that's yeah, good. So right. let's let's throw to a couple of questions. So I, I noticed there are some. So guys, anyone watching, um, or anyone that's just tuned in, Phil Bedford's um, relationship marketing referral networking expert. I don't know. I mean, so many uh, feathers in your cap, mate. But feel free to drop any comments below. So we're going to go to those now. So we've got a nice comment okay. from Brian here. So. Brian Rich, um, I've been running an outsourcing meeting booking service for a year and a half now, um, and one thing I've noticed that clients agree but don't pay. Have have had this happen. However, your advice on uh, can give to slow or stop this from happening. So, what would you say to that, Phil? Okay, so there's there's obviously um, obviously interesting enough uh, outsource meeting booking service. So, I think number one is is the is the quality and the caliber of the clients you're willing to take on board. You know, so sometimes you'll find when you know you're actually searching for a caliber of client, you'll get ones that do pay. Uh, they're willing to pay more for a service, and then you've got others that will always try and pull the not pay you, drag their feet. Um, and so one of the things we always do in incentive is we, we all recognize the fact that we've all got lots of clients, um, but we've all got a top 20%. Okay, that top 20% will be the ones that pay us the most, we enjoy working with, who pay us on time and give us no hassle. But the 80% is where we spend most of our time, get most of our frustration. Um, and unfortunately, we seem to pick up more of that business. So number one, my biggest tip would be to really look at the avatar or the, the, the dynamics of your top clients 
and then put a strategy around getting more of them. And there's yeah. and there's no there's going to be a numerous different answers to making sure you get paid, but just from my world, make sure you're speaking to the right kind of clients and signing up the right kind of clients. And if they're not paying you, find others that will. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I mean, you. I mean, think we all get time wasters in any line of work, but yeah, it's just it's almost like refining that qualifier, how you qualify them, isn't it? Have you got any tips to how you can qualify these better? Um. One simple way, by the way, is even before you go into qualification, is if you've got your top 20%, look to get referrals from the top 20%. Right? Oh. So they'll self-qualify because you, what you'll find is, this is something Napoleon Hill said, you know, people hang around with people just like themselves. So if you think about rich people, they'll hang around with rich people. People that are about the environment will hang around people that are keen on the environment. In our community, Tim, people that value relationships and want to help each other hang around people that value relationships and want to help each other. True. Yeah. A lot of the people that love cold calling and only care about money, well, they hang around people just like them. So if you can look at your clients to find out where those people hang out, so look at the psychographics, look at the demographics, and then find out where those people hang out and get more of them, get referrals from your clients that have that. That's a pre-filtering system. And then be mm. prepared that in your, in your invoicing and all that, you know, if people don't follow up, that you are willing to say no, finish. And it's tough, but sometimes saying no is better because it takes all your resources. Yeah. That's an amazing tip. So let's just say Brian then has, um, I don't know, let's just say um, Jones the Grocer, for example, is his client. Um and he really likes working with them, and there is a really good relationship. Obviously, they, he mean what you're saying is almost go directly to the client, and almost ask if there's anyone that they can refer him to. So it almost does the job for him. Um, is, that, is that is that is that basically one one one? Right. Tip Simple as that, yeah. And here's the thing: if he's got a really good relationship with them, you know, you mm. can you can actually ask for referrals. And and the challenge is that most people don't ask their clients for referrals. Yeah, simply That's don't ask. Um, in, in fact, one of the biggest delusions about the whole referral from clients thing a lot of people think clients are the best referral source and it's actually just not true um mm. and, and i once got in trouble with saying this because a woman went mad at me going that's oh, rubbish all my clients are my best my best referrals come from clients and she may be right to an extent um and that's because number one clients will be a best referral source if that's the only one you've got yeah but there's multiple other places to get referrals from but most people don't have a strategy to access them Right, that's mm. number one. So that, I just thought I'd throw that in. And I guess if you're looking at the competition as well, I mean, maybe maybe your client won't want to connect you with its competitors, but you can look, do the research and look at their competitors and then target them. Yeah, True. different ways. Um, but the other thing is to actually ask your clients. You know, half the mm. time you'll find that most people don't refer you purely because they don't think about it. It's not that they don't mm. want to. They just don't mm. think about it. Um, mm. It's just like most of it. I'm sure every single person watching this will have had one of their friends buy from a competitor. Right? Yeah. And it's not because your friend doesn't like you. It's because they've probably forgotten what you do. Mm. And someone mm. else happens to knock on the door. And so the thing is, and I guarantee you, we've all had it happen. And, and so it's number one, making sure everyone that's important to you knows what you do and let them know you're accepting referrals and looking to grow your business. So number one, you've got to mm. let them know. And then you've got to ask. And um, it's HBR, it's amazing. people don't do that enough. They're not front of mind enough, are they? Probably the only people that do ask for referrals is your financial consultants, particularly in the UAE. 
You know, you mm. sit down, and you have a conversation with a financial consultant. You know, they have a, they do a fact find on you, and then they ask you for five referrals. Um, so well done them for asking for referrals. Um, unfortunately, in my model of the world, you know, they're asking for referrals based on the fact they've done a fact find, not on the fact they've shown you how good they are at making you money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well done for asking. <laughs> um, and and so. Um, you know, the H HBR, Harvard Business Review, actually did a study. It's in my book, Kiss the Rebel, by the way. I, I loved it so much, I referred to it. And they actually did a study. They said, look, if you ask 100% of your clients for a referral, how many would actually say, oh, okay, no problem? And what they realized was no one was asking 100% of their, their clients for referrals. If we actually think mm -hmm. about how many clients you've got and how many you ask for referrals, it's probably none. Some have referred you when they've thought about it or when mm. somebody's out there, but no one else is going out of their way to refer you. And so what HBR did is they, they looked at a couple of studies and they asked 100% of the clients. And I think in the studies, about 33% came back and said, yeah, okay, we're, we're willing to do that. Right? And they, they referred them. Only 11% actually, but 11% converted, and that was in the financial services, and 13% converted, and I think it was in IT. But the point mm. was to get an 11 or a 13% conversion, they had to ask 100%. So if you're not asking 100% of your clients, what's the reality of how many referrals you're getting from clients? It's next yeah. to nothing. Yeah. But we think it's the best. Yeah. No, very so true. It's wow. It's, cra it's crazy. I mean, you forget about it. It seems so obvious. Something I'm going to do straight after school. <laughs> Well, probably not right after the call, but certainly do it. That's another thing. And that's another thing I learned from you is make sure you, uh, when you reach out to people, you do it at appropriate times as well. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? It's like <laughs> 2 a.m. in the morning. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't scream good, does it? i um, got a nice question from uh, Sabrina here. So Sabrina says, I find networking really intimidating and I struggle to start conversations. What would you recommend to get my confidence up at networking events? Okay. Uh, number one um, is try and learn how to open a conversation. So actually, have you ever learned to go networking? Not really. There you go. So funnily enough, networking is a skill. I mean, we, we've all grown up talking to people, but for some reason, when, when we enter a networking environment, we all go to pieces. And a lot of that is because we think stuff is expected from us that it's not. You know, we think we have to hand out business cards and come away with a sale. Well, I'd be nervous if that was the only dynamic. Mm. You know, we have mm. to sell ourselves with every single person we meet and tell them how great we are. Mm. Isn't it easier if you just walk up to people and say, hey, you know, my name's uh, Sabrina and uh, I just, I'm just i interested in who you Who are you? What do you do? Okay, that's interesting. Can you tell me more about that? So suddenly you're asking more about them. Mm. Isn't that an easier conversation? So mm. act like a host, not a guest. That's really good. Yeah, it's great advice. And you can learn to network. It's a skill. And it's really interesting, Tim. Two of the most important skills in business are sales and the ability to build and leverage networks. Mm. Neither are, are taught in business schools. It's crazy, isn't it? That's what Although, I mean. Like, it's, yeah, it's there almost... is, there is, for, hundreds of, for years, they weren't taught. Um, I know there is a university now doing some sales, and I think there's a university doing networking, but it's like one. Um, but two of the most important business skills are not taught. They go and teach you other stuff, which is, guess what, how to go and spend lots of money on marketing and advertising. But they're not teaching you how to do it for free no. because they can't make any money at that. So here's the thing. So if you – and it isn't until later on when we're in business that we actually realize there's this great way of building relationships, 
building your personal network. So here's the thing. When you're networking, it's almost like you're collecting resources, okay? Mm. And so when at some point in the future you need something, you can ask for it because you've already built the relationship. You've put the goodwill in. You know, I can go on my phone and type in lawyer and I'll come up with six or seven lawyers, all of whom I have a relationship with, all who I've got goodwill with. And I can say, hey, how about a bit, a bit of advice? No, like, yeah, no problem. Most people wouldn't be able to type in one lawyer. You know, and, and so the, the advice to a serious business owner is you never know when you're going to need your network. But and a lot of people are blind with this, particularly if they have a job, because in a job, you don't need the network so much because you've got everything given to you. But when you launch a business, you never know when you're going to need it. So build the roof before it rains. Hmm. The minute you think you're going to launch your own business, start networking, start collecting resources. That's everybody you meet, what they do, who they are, build a relationship because you never know when you'll need the lawyer. You never know when you'll need the video expert. You never know when you'll need the sales. You never, you never, you never, you never. But the yeah. thing is, if you haven't put in that time, when you have the emergency, you're going to have to go and pay a lot of money or yeah. you won't be able to stop it. It's very true. You go into a networking event thinking you're not just going to walk away from a sale. You might walk away from someone that might funnel you either, you know, a load of business or a load of ways to save time or might be able to help you scale in other ways. You know, it's it's amazing. That's That's the beauty of it. You never know what you're going to who you're going to meet. Um, Sab just came back and said, love, love that act like a host, not a guest. Thanks so much, Phil. Um, I've got a question here from Shivani. So, uh, so we need to be more natural um, or should we have a bit of practice introducing and talking about networking? So I guess it's both, isn't it? I mean, it's both, both important. Yeah. Absolutely both. I mean, I actually do a program called the room full of relationships and referrals, and it's all mm. about utilizing the power of disc um, to disc. Um, yeah, to amend your behavior so so a lot of people still haven't done it and disc's pretty basic in the behavioral world and yet still most people have no idea of it um and in a nutshell uh, there's four different behavioral styles um, and most of us will have an opposite which means that if you think about the people you meet tim if you think of every person you meet there's always somebody the minute you meet them they're like you're like ah, i don't know they're either too aggressive too slow, too loud, too giggly, too quiet, too shy, too too numbers orientated, too whatever it is, but they're too something. And and that too You, you met a person with all those traits. That must have been huh? an awful person. Uh, I said you I, met I, one person with all that. I just gave you all four. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point is if you find the one that's putting you off, there's every chance you're putting them off. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with who you are, how ethical you are, or anything like that. It's the way we behave based on our natural makeup. Now, mm. if you can actually recognize by the way someone dresses, smiles, doesn't smile, the way they shake your hand, even the way they walk across the room, if you can spot that from across the room and amend your behavior so at least they're comfortable to have a conversation with you rather than deciding they don't like you, you've got potential. And then you can let them know how great you are, who you are, and what you're not. But if you're clashing before you even had a chance to speak, you've already lost it. And this turns up in sales, team management, conflict management in business, networking, everything. But most people do not have this knowledge. Wow. And it's beautiful. So, it sounds so basic when you say it. It sounds so basic. It's crazy. Yeah, and crazy. some people know it naturally, right? But it's about putting process behind that. Yeah. 
Savani so says, you. Phil, your advice on networking is always very helpful. That's sweet. Um, got a question here from Wile. Wile's Bonnie of your incentive guys, isn't he? Wiles, yeah. Wiles, can I just a little shout out to Wile? Wile is um he's a he's a friend of mine and he's he knows Phil as well. He's uh, pivoted incredibly well in this period. He's um a suit tailor guy, one of the best in the region, and has moved into making bespoke masks, which is incredibly exciting. He's done very well. So a little shout out to Wile there. Uh, so Wile's question is any tips on how to mend a broken business relationship? That's quite a good one. Yeah, yeah, and, and hats off to Wile again. I mean, uh, oddly enough, he was around my house today, <laughs> small world, right? How was he? Popped in with his little mask on. He was uh, fitting me out for some shirts. So I'm looking at getting some business shirts from him. So that's how small the world is, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, he's got this great mask. So, I mean, broken business relationships, you know, I mean, every single one of us mess up. Every single one of us mess up. You know, we forget to return a phone call. Um, uh, we, we miss, um, we make a mistake. I, I, just today, right? You know, I had a webinar going on and, and, for some reason, somebody couldn't get in the webinar. It was a technical glitch, nothing to do with me, all to do with the provider. But somebody put aside time to get in there and they couldn't get in there. Now, mm. that's on me, right? Whether it's my fault or not, it's on me. Uh, and and so it's now up to me to repair that relationship. Um, and so number one is take it on the chin. Accept the fact, you know, apologize. Don't try and make excuses. Um, just apologize. And, and, you know, how can you make it better? And I think mm. for a lot of people, all they want to hear is, I'm sorry. I yeah, acknowledge sure. the fact it put you out uh, and it wasn't my intention. I respect your time. I respect you. And, uh, you know, give me, you know, make sure it doesn't happen again. How did it happen? What can I do to solve that? Some people, that's all they want to know. And, mm. and oddly enough, um, I think two of my best business relationships actually came from mistakes. Um, I, I'm pretty efficient with making time and scheduling appointments, making sure I turn up. If I'm running late, I let them know. So that stuff's really important for me. And yeah, I've messed up. You know, I've missed meetings. I remember one lady, um, uh, she was a, a dentist called Peter Craig, who's now gone back to the UK. And I actually had a, um, a, a meeting just to sit down and get to know each other. And I completely missed it. And the minute I realized I've missed it, I was on the phone, I apologized. Um, and I sent a, a beautiful bouquet of flowers and said, look, I acknowledge the fact I messed up, um, you know, really sorry is there any chance of having it and she said yeah yeah come round. don't worry it happens and uh, she turned out to be one of my best clients and became a very good friend just goes to show if you're sincere enough um we're all human it doesn't you can't be on it all the time can you phil you can't and you know that and by the way there will be the odd person there that's you know i don't care what you say you put me out and that's it well that's their choice right uh, i'm mm. sure they've never messed up in life true got a nice um Question from Javadir. How should one know when to stop self-promoting in a network meeting to maintain a balance between healthy promotion and spamming? It's quite a good, well, think, quite a good well, one. I think the other thing is don't start with self-promoting. Mm, okay. So if you don't start by self-promoting, you don't need to stop it, right? What you mm. should be doing is finding out about them. At some point in time, they will turn around to you and say, oh, by the way, what do you do? And then be able to say what you do concisely and efficiently in about 20 seconds, and then turn it back on them and find out more about them. So as much as possible, put the conversation back on the other person. There's a really interesting dynamic with human beings. Um, and you put whoever's watching this now, uh, whether it's you, Javid, or anyone else, if I'm having a conversation with you, and in this conversation, you spend the whole time talking about yourself, what's important to you, and all that, and I'm just standing here going, oh yeah, well, 
wow, yeah, okay. And, and how does that work? Tell me more. At the end of that conversation, you're going to walk away going, wow, that Phil guy's really nice. He's so interested in me. I can't wait to see him again. Mm. Because all you have to do is talk about yourself. Yeah. Now, if on the flip side, I'd stood there and told him and you all about me and I didn't listen to you. You don't like me. You don't want mm. to see me. And so this mm. is a very basic human dynamic. If you only self-promote, they're not going to be interested in you. Mm. But if you, you listen, they like you, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Um, not sure who said this, but any tips on how to avoid negative marketing? I mean, what's first? First of all, what's negative marketing, Phil? Yeah, well, I'd be interested to know what they mean by negative marketing. Um, I'm assuming we might mean things like negative word of mouth. I guess um, so, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, we'd need maybe a little bit more on what that exactly is and whoever Facebook user is with the blank face, maybe they should get a profile picture. That'd be nice because uh, even on your profile, you need to have a picture, right? So, mm. um, so negative marketing, I would suggest uh, if it's negative word of mouth. So if we look at word of mouth, word of mouth is one way of growing our business. So mm. your word of mouth is doing things so that when people hear the name of your company and your brand, uh, they think positively of you. Okay. At the same time, if somebody hears your name a brand and they go negative, well, that's negative word of mouth. Okay. Yeah. And what we find is so many businesses are so um, focused on the good, they're not thinking about the bad. Mm. And particularly in the world of human dynamics, you know, if we make people feel bad, they're not going to like us. Now, whoever this person is that just given us this question, they're probably a little bit annoyed the fact that I pointed out they didn't have a profile picture. Um, so, you know, I probably annoyed at me for that. But here you go. Not having that is is impacting your brand negatively. Okay, so if whoever that person is, thank you so much for asking the question. And please go and put a picture in there because that will impact your business positively. I hope that helps a little bit. And maybe yeah, you're not so going to <laughs> But um, But you see, that's negative word of mouth because it puts doubt in people's mind. We spoke about this earlier on, not returning mm. phone calls. There is nothing positive about not returning a phone call, mm. not replying to emails. There's nothing positive about not replying to an email because what it yeah. says to you is you're not important to me. Yeah. It says to you or it says to you, I'm so disorganized, I've forgotten about you. <laughs> Either way, it's not good, is it? It's not good. Uh, and I'm not being funny here. All right, this is the truth. Why all came around here today to, to measure me up for shirts? I called three companies during the COVID crisis to give them my business. Two of them didn't call me back to come for a fitting. Wow. It's, it's like you take, you can't even, you can't even give them your money. Can't even can't give them my money. And they're both, by the way, really great tailors who've done great jobs for me in the past and really, really good. Um, and at the point in time, but the point is they didn't follow up. Mm. And they're still good. They're still good. But the point was, the person that turned up, who I also have a relationship who's very good, is going to get my business. And there's mm. people out there struggling for money. Because mm. they're disorganized. Got mm. a schedule. Very true. We'll go to one more question, guys, because I know we're on the hour. But uh, Brian's just come back and said also, um, not this one, sorry. Uh, he did have a question. Any good networking events? coming up that you can tell us about so uh first of all i think let's start with your next quarantine connect when's the next, next one quarantine there, 14th of july at 1 p.m and it'll be on zoom 
So all you need to do is ping me an email or something and I'll make sure you're, you're added to it. Um, I do let people know on, on LinkedIn, so please connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Um, if anybody ever gives me their email and they ask me to add them to my newsletter, I will let you know every time there's an event on. Okay. Right. So if you right. want to know when that is, please just give me your email through whatever format um, and I'll make sure you're made aware of that. Phil's also in the, the Academy guys. So feel free to tag Phil Bedford. So P-H-I-L-B-E-D-F-O-R-D. I'm sure he'll also uh, get back to you in there as well. So that's a good one. Any other good networking events? I mean, we're also BNI members. So that's another one I recommend people do join. Yeah, well, there is, um, yeah I mean, BNI is an, an amazing concept for, for people that don't know it. Um, mm. It's early in the morning. Uh, you know, you get in there at 6.30 in the morning. You're finished by 8.30 and you've done some great networking. Uh, mm. You and I are in the same group, Tim. Uh, a great chance to hang out with you as well. I mean, what I love about that concept is I don't know what I'd be doing before 8.30 in the morning, but I'll tell you what, I've already done business by the time anyone that's uh, my competition's out of bed. True. So if, if you're interested in doing a bit of networking where most of your competition's in bed, reach out to Tim or reach out to me. We'll invite you along. <laughs> Of course, of course. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Um, you know, for giving us so much time uh, again and value in this call. Um, you know, it's it was great having you and 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 getting uh, getting your tips. You know, I feel like I always learn something when I speak to you. But yeah, guys, if anyone um, wants to reach out to you, I know we've mentioned that we can tag you as well. But is there any other methods that people can use to get in touch with you? Or I mean, maybe maybe we can also just mention about get more clients now. This is an amazing workshop you offer. So let's talk a little bit about that before we say goodbye to you. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, ultimately, it's, it's something I've been doing for a while now. Um, the, again, there's a lot of people in the business, when they're starting out, they're just completely lost. So I do a, a workshop, and it's for free. So the idea is if, if somebody is money-strapped with no idea, they can come along and we'll give them some ideas on how they can market their business efficiently and effectively for free. And also for those people that are saying, you know, I want to do something about it, again, they can come in and learn uh, more about what they can be doing and how they can be getting more clients, better better quality client, saving on some of that marketing spend and surround themselves with the right people. Um, also, those, uh, also as a, um, a franchisee in the market, I'm also looking for coaches, by the way, Tim. Uh, we're oh, getting more yeah. clients than we know how to handle, so I'm also looking for people that would like to join our team uh, as a coach, so an entrepreneur maybe who's like looking to give back and would look, uh, we have the system and the process. So I'm also looking for people to, to help us give back and, and, you know, maybe get involved at a higher level. So uh, they can reach out to me that as well. But for the Get More Clients now, mate, I mean, we can share a link in the group. If anyone wants yep. to come along, love to see you. Okay, guys. So just to let you know, get more clients now, free workshop from Phil. Anyone who's interested watching this video right now, do, even if you're watching it back after it's live, just put a little message saying I'm in. We're going to probably share the uh, the get more clients now link in the group. Um, an amazing workshop. I've done it firsthand. It's helped share a lot of amazing tips. A really good, it's almost like an MOT test, isn't it? About, about your business. So a good, uh, good opportunity to, for you to dedicate a couple of hours to um, sit and How long is it? It's a couple of hours, is it? Yeah, a couple of hours, about two, two and a half hours. Yeah, great. So, yeah, guys, anyone who's interested, please put that in the description. We'll also share the link. Uh, Phil, thank you so much. Hope you have an amazing evening. And thank you again, once again, for giving so much value. Hey, my pleasure, Tim. Thanks. And see you all guys soon. Eh? Thanks, for, thanks for being with me and Tim tonight. Eh? Cheers. Tim. Take care, guys. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community. 